hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Do you have a passion for something and you keep saying, I'm not good enough? You know, it's like, well, yeah, I'm passionate about this, but nobody will want that, you know, and so I just won't put it out there. I can tell you that everybody's passion is important and we've all got a job to do. We've all got something that we can bring to this world to make a difference to people. And, And if you're passionate about it, that's 10 times better because you just, you you feel like you're alive every day and your work doesn't feel like work. And today's guest is a passionate photographer and she's brought that passion into creating a foundation that supports people with cancer. This is just fantastic. So let me tell you about it. Belle Chapman is a photographer, mum, wife, adventurer and storyteller. When Belle had her first child in 2013, she decided to give up the nine to five and try her hand as a work from home photographer after falling in love with photography many years before and high school. At the age of five, Belle lost her father to cancer and he was only 36 years old. Losing her dad and growing up in the days where we didn't have mobile phones with good cameras meant she has limited images of him, especially looking healthy. This pain has driven Belle's passion to cement the love and adoration families feel for each other in a memory that can be kept for life to hand down through generations. The pain was also the catalyst to Belle founding the Forevermore Foundation, which is a not-for-profit that provides a free photography session to families about to be impacted by the devastation of the cancer journey. Belle's aim is to capture the smiles, cuddles and laughter before treatment starts so that these memories are the ones that last a lifetime despite the outcome. Welcome, Belle. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I absolutely love what you're doing. And, you know, I've heard a lot of, um, we're going to get right into it as we go in, but um, I've heard so many families, uh, you know, that are uh, uh, I guess, suffering the impact. I don't want to say suffering, but, you know, going through the impact of cancer and, you know, the one thing they always talk about is photography and, you know, that they haven't got any good photos and that they're embarrassed to get photos when they're having treatment and that. So you're just, you're a shining light. I'm so bloody happy to have you (laughs) and, you know, showcase what you're doing. Just fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) My my absolute pleasure. This is the first podcast you've done too, eh? It is, it is. I'm a little bit nervous today, but you know, <laughs> you got to fight. You? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't have to be nervous. It's, it's really good. And my listeners absolutely love hearing um, new stories and hearing about people that are, you know, trying to build something and that are making a better world. So you're in good company. I can tell you that. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. Well, tell us, you know, for a start, you know, I've introduced you already and you're a, you know, you've got your own photography um, company, you know, your own photography business. And then as a side, now you've started this um, Forevermore Foundation, but let's go right back to the start. And tell us about your journey into photography. Like, were you just born with a camera in your hand or was it something that evolved or tell us about that? It feels a little bit like it, actually. It goes back to high school. So, uh, in high school, I was often running around with a camera in my hand, but I didn't really fall really in love with it until I hit the later years of high school and I got to play in the darkroom as part of art. Um, and so that just watching those images, you know, appear on the paper in the liquid was just something that just resonated with me. So I sort of, I actually, I don't know if I should say this, but I ended up leaving year 11 because they wouldn't let me do photography. <laughs> <laughs> So I went out and got a traineeship and, and worked from there. But um, it was just something that stuck with me. And I did a lot of, uh, I've always had a love for cars and racing and stuff like that. So before I had kids, I kind of didn't really think of the whole family photography thing. It was all, um, I was out at drag races with friends and taking photos of, you know, stunt riding friends and stuff like that. So it was more action packed stuff, which I really enjoyed um, until I started the corporate life in Melbourne. And I kind of put the camera down for a good, oh, I reckon eight years or so it was because I was working so many hours in the corporate life in Melbourne and that was a not-for-profit, funnily enough. Um, so, yeah, and then when I had kids, I naturally picked the camera up again and sort of haven't put it down since. So it was, yeah, it, it, I didn't want to work in photography as a, as a kid. So coming out of school, I sort of thought about going and doing a photography degree but I didn't want to lose the love and the passion for it by doing it for a job. So I kind of avoided it um, as far as a career goes and until the kids came along and then it fitted perfectly. So, yeah, you never know what life's got in store for you. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. I think that's a key. The key, isn't it, is just be flexible. Just keep doing every day what you love doing and just let it lead you where it leads you. I, I so absolutely- true. I love the bit about the, um, you know, the dark room because I did a course for a couple of years with um, Photography Studies College in South Melbourne and I don't even know if it's still there, but it, it was the dark room stuff that was truly special like you're talking yeah. about these images just appear and you know that's I agree with you that's the thing that had me addicted to it it's just yes and, and the way you can you know put more light in one area and keep one area of the picture dark and you can do all these crazy things that I I, I agree and I, I did photography for a while with um weddings and things like that and oh yeah. boy just you know after for trying to photo- photograph several kids I thought <laughs> I can't do this. It's like three thousand, and this is this is when we had film, yes, you know, only yeah. film, and it's kind of like you you know you, you can only take twenty four or thirty six pictures or whatever you know in a roll, and you know how, nearly all of them were ruined because the kids were you know you know pulling faces. Thank God for digital photography. I, I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a time to change a film in between taking photos of kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But I still have a passion for photography. So I can see why you, you love it so much. And it's um so you're saying that, you know, when the kids come along, you you picked it back up again. So you left your nine to five job and said, well, yep. yeah, I can't do that. I've got kids. And then and then picked it back up again. And and were you were you still thinking then, you know. Um, I don't want to lose the passion. Can I do this as a job and still maintain passion for it? Like were you thinking yeah. that kind of stuff? And I was. I 
the job that I was in was a management role and it was very high demand. So, you know, my boss was cracking it when I didn't reply to messages and emails at, you know, 9.30 at night with a newborn baby who, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to get your priorities right. So at that point, we were living in Melbourne and we decided to come back because we've got both grown up here um, in Terelgan and Sale. So we decided to bring the kid, move back to um, the country and raise our kids near their cousins and family etc and so when I came back and I started working for a labor hire company just in admin here and I had kind of said to my partner Dan if any time is going to be a good time to start a business and, and give it a crack and see what happens now's the time because I was coming off of maternity leave and I didn't officially have to be back at work yet and I, to be honest, I was a bit naive and thought, you know, I can do photography and raise kids at the same time, not thinking about the hours editing at a computer and stuff like that. I've got photos of me editing with my littlest, you know, in a um, one of those holders on Harness. my chest because she wouldn't tell and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, the passion outweighed all of that, thankfully. And I reckon it took me about three years to come up with sort of my my niche market, I suppose, which is natural photography. And once I found that, there was no stopping me. Like that was what drove my soul, and it it didn't feel like a job anymore. So yeah, yeah we just yeah. sort of moved in and thought, give it a crack and see what happens. And if it fails, well, I can always go get a job later. So and luckily, didn't need to. Six years or nearly yeah nearly seven years on now so yeah I think, I think you've hit on a really key point there I want to talk about your natural photography too because I really love that but I think just you've hit on a key point that is um you know you've always got a backup like when people have a job and they've got skills and knowledge and experience in a certain field and they want to try something new I think a lot of people see it as a, a jump into the the never-never the you know and I can never go back you know I'm just going to jump into this but but this is it's a perfect opportunity to try something new, jump into something new, and if it doesn't work, because let's face it, sometimes things don't work, you know, and that's all yep. there is to it. But you can always go back. So why wouldn't we give it a crack and you know you know take a risk? And I I, I just love that you did that. When you um when you did that, did you experience any challenges and barriers that you thought, oh gee, I don't know if I can do this. I think I need to go back to that job. Definitely. Like, I think when you try something new, there's always the fear that it's not going to work. There's always the fear that you're not good enough to, to create whatever it is you're trying to create or the fear of um, what are people going to think? Like, and that was probably one of the biggest problems I had moving into this industry because it is a creative arts. I spent so much trying time to copy what everyone else was doing and it wasn't until I sort of realised what it is that that I love and sort of found my own niche market, that's when I um, realised that and I sort of had to talk myself down and say, do you know what? You love what you're creating. People are paying you to create the same thing, even though it's not what every other photographer has on their social media. It's working because people love it. And so like when you look at my work, quite often you'll see an image and, you know, it might be a couple gazing into each other's eyes with the sun blaring through the middle of their heads and half their faces are cut off. Some photographers look at that and cringe and think, oh, my God, you can't even see them. But I, that's the images that I'm just like, oh, that's just it's pure joy and love and, you know, the warmth of the sunset and all of that stuff that that's what drives me. And I always take the safe shot. I've always got the shot without the flare in the middle for the families. But you know what? 90% of the time they don't pick that image. 
it's always it's always the creative ones and the ones that have that feeling and that emotive you know connection to the session so yeah it's just about you just you know you don't things that work these days there's so many photographers out there especially like especially even just in this area there's a lot and there is enough work for all of us but I think that following your niche and finding what you actually love is what's going to make your business work yeah we there's no point creating what everyone else has yeah because at the end of the day you know you're just creating another business that is is following the same market so why compete against those people learn from them and and create your own version I, you know, I hundred percent agree with that. It's it's you know, and like we just, we've already touched on. Now you've you've shared this. You know, your yours is this natural style, this natural flair. You know, get, take advantage of whatever's happening in the environment, and just you know, yeah. take some really natural snaps. And I love that. And it's like if you compare it to even fast food, you know, which you know I'm not a big fan of, but yeah. you know, Macca's and KFC and Subway, and it's, it's kind of like there's always enough room, you know, and mm-hmm. you're still providing the same service, fast food, but everybody's got their own flavor do you know and we never yes. say there's too many doctors in Terrelgan you know we, we never do that like like there's always room there is always room and I think that it's much better if you take your own path and you're offering something that's unique because there's always going to be someone who says I want that that's yeah. the thing I want. And I absolutely love that you're doing that. And when you're saying copying, you know, a lot of people do that. They get into something and they start comparing, you know, well, this is what this one's doing and I have to do that. And, and then they never feel good. You know, there's always this sense of conflict. Like, yeah. you know, I just feel like I'm a fraud. Um, like you said, I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel mm-hmm. like, and, and all this comparison stuff, it's not good for our soul. You know, what's, What's good for our soul is this, this expression that comes from deep within us. We share that we share our true expression with the world, and we attract the right tribe. And yeah, so true. Funny we could all get that, you know. The world. I know. And people struggle. Yeah, I still do it now. Like I still find myself looking at other people's stuff and going, "Oh, I wish I could do that." But then it, t- it takes me a moment, and then I go, "No, you don't." Like. It's something different. You could give it a crack, but it's it's not what's going to keep you happy. So, yeah. 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 It'll happen for a long time, I think, for everyone. It's just a habit we've got to break. <laughs> I agree. And there's room There's room for everybody. You know, it's um that, that's not negotiable. There is room no. for every single person on this planet to give a crack at what they love and mm-hmm. for people to appreciate it and buy it. Like Exactly. You know, and we all have to remind ourselves of that. And even me, like I've still got to remind myself, no, you stick in your lane, Karen, because what you do is bloody special and nobody else does what you do. And, and yep. so stop looking at other people going, oh, God, maybe I should include <laughs> this or that. But anyway, and a big part of your, um, your well, I guess your story and, and why you created the Forevermore Foundation, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but part of your story is losing your dad to cancer when you're five. Do you, yep. do, you do you remember that time in your life? I sadly don't, well, I don't know whether it's sadly or not, but I've got my earliest memory was riding on Puffing Billy with my dad and I felt like the most special person in the world because he gave me his sunnies because I kept sticking my head out the window and getting soot in my eyes and I you know I found photos of it actually and I look like a blowfly with his massive sunnies on but the fact that he gave me those glasses so that that wouldn't happen I just you know I just felt the complete love and, and adoration he had for me then um, but I don't have 
a lot of memories from then. And it, it kills me every day because my sister was born three months after he we lost him. So she never got to meet him. And I'm like, I got to spend time with him, but I can't remember it. And, you know, but in the same instance, the brain and the body is an amazing thing. And even though I can't remember as much of the good stuff, I don't remember the bad stuff. Like I don't remember the constant seizures. I don't remember him having brain surgery. I don't remember him being violently ill. So all that stuff, mum's got, you know, unfortunately mum has to live with that, but I don't remember that. But Having the few photos that I do have of him, I know that I got my love of cars from him because I've got photos of me under all the bonnets of his cars with him or in his workshop building things or, you know, it reminds me of my kids, you know, you can't even go to the toilet by yourself and I've got photos of me following him around while he's mowing the lawns and stuff like that. So those photos, even though there's not too many photos with him where he's not looking well, the ones that I do have, they tell me the the, light, the story, the story of life with him. And if I didn't have any of those at all, then I would have nothing but the memories and stuff that mum tells me. So, yeah, I think even though I can't remember the good, those, those photos definitely do tell that story. And it makes me know that I was loved because you can see it in the photos that I've got. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was in the time when we didn't have, um you know, digital cameras within our phones, you know, exactly. and we had to carry digital cameras around even that's I don't even know if they were there then because no, that's when you had the photographer come in home and they bought the backdrop and oh, they yeah. did all the photos with the hands on the shoulders and all that stuff um but he he lost his hair because of treatment and you know 35 years ago for a guy to lose his hair because of treatment it was it's a masculinity thing he didn't want his photo taken when he had no hair because it was embarrassing for him and over my time capturing families, before I started the foundation, I captured a number of families who had been through it and they said the same thing. I didn't want photos taken because I'd lost my hair or, you know, I'd put on or lost weight and didn't feel like myself. Um, so I guess that's why I decided to pinpoint people who have been diagnosed because I want them to remember the good times and I want them to have those physical memories, whatever their journey might be. So yeah, that all came from those images of dad and 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 looking back at them and, you know, reliving the story through the pictures that I have. So, yeah. 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 Well, at what point in your life, you know, because you lost him when you're five, you know, and you've obviously looked at pictures here and there, do you, you know, and, and at what point in your life do you think, at what age did, did you really stop and think, man, this really sucks? Yeah. I, I don't have pictures of dad. I don't have enough. Definitely, I think in my early teens, like we always sat down and looked at photo albums with mum. So we all, I always remembered him and my sister remembers him from the photo albums and the stories that mum tells. So it wasn't like one day we kind of just pulled him out and went, oh, yeah, you know, he was there kind of thing. Um, but I think sort of in my, probably my, you know, mid-teens where you sort of you become a girl and you think about appearance and you think about a boyfriend and stuff like that. The biggest thing that came to me was, um, you know, if he had been here now, how would he be reacting? You know, I just bought my first car and he wasn't here. And, you know, that love of cars that we shared and that sort of thing. Um, so I think it was really, you know, when when you're a kid, you kind of, it's it's all a bit fluffy you know you don't really it doesn't sink in until you actually have your own mind and can go wow you know like this is real so yeah definitely I'd say mid-teens but 
I think the book, it, it really smashed home when I had my kids. And I realized, you know, like I'm 40 now, so I've outlived him. So there's all these families out there that are going through this at young ages, same age kids as us and stuff like that. And I kind of went, yeah, this is real and this is a real problem because if they don't think to have photos taken before they go through their journey, then it's too late. It really is like, you know, and I truly hope that the people I capture just get a free session and, you know, they live life happily. But um, for the ones that don't, they'll have those images to look back on um, the people who are left behind or, you know, to pass it on to generations um, yeah, down the track basically because that's what's important is, is remembering and the way I conduct my sessions are very much an adventure. I don't talk about what they're going through and it's all about going out and running amok in a field with the kids and creating real memories. Like a lot of the time they forget I'm there taking their photo because I just I have them engaging with each other and running around and cuddling and all that stuff. So when they look at the images, they think about how happy they were at the time. And I'm hoping that will also get them through the challenges that they're facing as well. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it's fantastic. You know, I lost my sister to cancer when she was 33 and, you know, yeah. and, and the same thing with photos. We did have photos. I had them on um, on a hard drive and my computer crashed and I took the hard drive to a computer place and yeah. they said, yeah, we can we can easily get the, because it wasn't the hard drive that crashed, it was something else. And they said, oh, yeah, we can get, oh, yeah, good. We can get the um, photos off that hard drive onto another one. And they, I left it with them trustingly and they wiped the entire hard drive and it was all the photos I had of my sister and I've now probably got five photos and that's it of a whole damn you know, a whole damn adulthood you know and so it all because of one mistake at a computer oh. and you know it's kind of like talk about um you know the the importance of backing up things and you know and now that we've got digital photos digital the capacity to have them back them up back up everything because it's such a, a an important thing and and you you as a photographer, you have backups. So at least if people do that, they can come and get that. But when we had our Girls with Hammers conference last week and we had a speaker, Rachel Bai, who was, she's part of the Footprints Foundation and they they um, support families, you know, they with with anything they need while they're going through cancer treatment, you know. So yeah. it's, um, but she talked about, uh, you know, not ever wanting to have her photo taken with her losing hair, you know, which was what you talked about before. And she said, it just, I don't want to be remembered like that. You know, if anything happens, I don't want my kids to see me like that. And she showed a stack of photos, you know, without hair and going through treatment. And, and you could see the toll it was taking, taking on her. And, and, you know, that, that, um, you know, when kids or whatever look at those pictures down track, they're kind of like, oh, the, the, all they have is this real sorrow for the fact that you've been through this plus on the on the flip side is plus seeing you as a damn hero, you know, for, yeah. for, for going through that journey. But I absolutely love that you're, you know, you're, you're you're capturing this but what was the catalyst like what was it what was it I know you're saying you know when you're a teenager you missed your dad you know you thought about pictures you had your babies oh you haven't got pictures what was the thing that made you stand up and say that's it I'm starting a foundation I don't want any other family to go through this was there a specific yeah. thing I think I've always just known that I was here to do something um my early career was helping kids find their careers with apprenticeships and those sorts of areas. And I, I did love that, but it came to a point where it wasn't enough for me. I knew that there was more out there that I needed to be doing. Um, and I think 
it, it was a correlation of things. It was a correlation of getting back into the artistic industry where I knew I could create something magical. It was also talking to a number of people who had been through the process and, and regretted not having photos taken and realising that I could do something in this space to help. And I suppose the fact that we've always had an open relationship about dad and we always talk about him and stuff like that, I'm a little bit in, I'm lucky because I'm older now and I understand what's happened and I was never sort of, none of that was ever kept from me. But what I think is important is that when you are young like I was, you don't remember. And and that's probably a good thing, but if you don't have the images you don't have the memories. Mm. So I was kind of like, well, how how can I, you know, I don't want this to happen. I've got limited images of me and my dad and I don't want it to happen to other kids. And I did a lot of research and I found that there's a lot of um, like heartfelt, um, they photograph sick kids and stuff like that, not just babies. So I found a lot of people that did it for the purpose of the kids who were sick but there was not a lot out there for the parents, you know, if it, if it was affecting the parents of the family. And the feedback that I got from my families was, um, you know, the whole treatment taking its toll thing, obviously, but whether it's the parent or the kid that's sick, one of the mums or the dads has to take time off. So there's always going to be a financial challenge. And then, you know, a lot of the times in our rural areas like here, you can't get the treatment you need. So you're having to travel to Melbourne or the, the capital cities. So that is, again, another financial burden. So when I realised that I had this skill and I could create this amazing gift for people, I thought, well, why can't I take away those burdens? Like I totally understand that in the chaos of a diagnosis, I can't even imagine what's going through someone's mind. But if this isn't for them, that's totally okay. But if I don't put the service out there and they don't realise that it's available at the time of diagnosis, then I'm not doing my job because all I want is for them to think about it and make a decision for themselves. If they choose not to go ahead, that's okay because it's not for everybody. But those people who have a connection to, to photography, a connection to their family and they want to capture it, well, I took away the burden of cost. I took away, um, you know, the the burden of having to go out and find a photographer because we will find one for you if I don't have, if I can't help. Um, and I um, made it possible to create these memories to leave to their children if they have to. Which God, I hope they don't. But if they have to, then they've got it. And then that's me stopping someone in the future going through what I went through, where. The images I have of dad, we're doing bits and pieces, but it's none of the real snuggly, cuddly, you know, emotive stuff because he didn't want to be seen without his hair and looking unwell, which is fair enough too because that's, I'm sure, you know, I've found from working with these families that everyone feels the same way, whether it's, a, you know, it's the hair or whether it's the weight, like, you know, they can become quite drawn and lose too much weight and still don't look like themselves. So yeah, I guess it was not wanting that to happen, to avoid that happening to other kids in the future and vice versa to parents who have sick kids as well because I can't even imagine what they're going through too. So, yeah. You know, can I, and it's such an indiscriminate thing. You know, just it just hits anyone and it's, yep. you know, and, and out of the blue often, you know, it hits out of the I love that, you, you know, what they say is you find your purpose when you, find the intersection of your pain and your passion and you know and that, that's exactly exactly what you're describing and I think that's it's one it's a pity we have pain but I think that we can't be human beings without pain you know and that's no. 
but we can either have pain and we can you know, um, be victims, you know, and, and let it control our lives and say, well, my life's ruined because of this pain. Or we can say, well, what, what can I do about it, you know, to both to heal myself and to heal others. And I think, you know, when you do the, the act of healing others, you're actually healing yourself as well. So you, there's... And a- I think that's important. You need to be ready in yourself too. Like, I think that was some of my problem. I'd wanted to do it for a good three or four years and I had a Facebook page and I kept making it public and then closing it because I was like, what if there's too many people and I can't help them all? And what if And I'd had young kids and I probably wouldn't have dealt with it as well mentally as I am now. So I think it's important. You've got to deal with your pain and you've got to use it as a driver, but you've got to be ready in yourself as well, especially when it links to something so personal. So, yeah. yeah. 100%. And that, that that saying, you know, I, what if I can't help everybody? You know, I used to be one of these people that wanted to save the world and I used to get so damn upset because I couldn't. And it wasn't until uh, somebody told me, a guy who does work in Nepal, and he said to me, you know, Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100, just feed one. And I'll never forget him saying that because that was such a catalyst for me to just pull my head in and say, I can't, I can't save the world, but I can put, and now I talk about in my talk, and my workshops are you only have to find your jigsaw piece and you put that jigsaw piece into the puzzle and that's your piece so just focus on that worry about that and if everybody does their little piece we're going to have a magnificent world and we will save the world do you, you know but we've all yeah. got to do our bit and stop getting in everybody else's way do you know <laughs> and, and and just get it done I, I love it tell us more about um forevermore foundation like so uh, you know, so is is it just for how, how do you how do people register for it? Um, how does it funded? You know, can other people use the service and that helps pay for it? Or you know, tell us about how how, how it works. So the first priority of the foundation is obviously to capture people at the point of uh, diagnosis. Yeah. However, I've got a set amount of. Um, free sessions available due to people booking other sessions. I'll explain that in a minute. But if all of the allocation of the free sessions are not used, then it gets opened up to other people who are further on in their journey or even people with other terminal illnesses. So even though me as one person has had to pinpoint something and that is the diagnosis stage, we can help others if we have the allocations available there. we recently applied for uh, to become an incorporation, which means that we're a not-for-profit. And in the future, we're hoping to apply for DGR status. That will open us up to um, gift recipient status, which means that, you know, big corporations can give us money and it can be claimed as tax later. Um, so at the moment, it's, it's, it's the foundation funds itself. So people can donate money. They can... Um, book sessions so any session that's booked through the foundation the cash goes towards giving free sessions to other families so it's it's a not-for-profit in that you know it doesn't just go into the bank and get spent on the business on the business it's actually going towards people having sessions taken who need them Um, you can nominate families who have cancer so um, if you know you've got a friend going through it you can nominate them and then I can give vouchers which puts them on the wait list um, or you can nominate yourself, which all happens via the website, which is forevermorefoundation.com.au. You can donate, just do a pure donation through the through the website as well. 
um, or you can book your sessions through the website. And pretty much what we do is the wait list sits there and those people who are at the point of di- um, diagnosis or are about to start treatment or, you know, have um, strong health issues, they be, they're always the first priority. And then the, per- the people who are sort of mid-journey, even though they're not any less important, they then come next on the list. So our idea is is to capture the ones who need it because of time restraints first and then the others come on after that. So no one's going to miss out. It's just a matter of raising enough funds to cover each of those sessions and then we'll get to everybody at some stage through the process. But, yeah, the more sessions that are booked, um, we're looking at rolling it out into state. So um, the idea is, is that we'll have photographers who are working for us in each state and they'll also be selling the foundation a little bit to get uh, to bring in bookings as well so that we can cover the free sessions that we're giving away. So um, that the higher picture is that we'll be operating in all states and we'll be helping as many families as we can and sort of be a bit of a finder photographer um, service because all the, all the funds will come back to the foundation, but you'll be able to pick from, say, three or four um, photographers in each state, um, you know, in three, three years down the track or something like that. So um, I'd love to be able to give families albums as well down the track, but that obviously is a, is a cost that's incurred. At the moment, you know, I can give my time away for free where I need to, but um, that is going to be an ongoing cost. So I'm hoping that sort of the DGR status and stuff like that will bring in some sort of ongoing funds, which will allow me to hand people an album because how many people will take photos and just leave them on a USB in their drawer and things like that these days? Like we've got to get people to print them. So if I can give them an album in the future, that'd be amazing as well. I, I just absolutely love that. So people can just go to forevermorefoundation.com.au. They can book a, this is pe- this is ordinary, this is people who are not going through cancer. They can book a session and, and that will then support a session for a family dealing with cancer. Correct. Uh, that's uh, that's buddy fantastic. And I know you're saying you you know you're going to apply for DGR status and all that, which is great. And people get a tax deductible re- tax deductible receipt. But um, you know, I know so many people who who don't don't so much care about that. You know, if I can give fifty yeah. bucks or a hundred bucks, and I know that that's going towards um, you know making your family just easing some of the burden and bringing some memories to people. You know, to, especially to kids, and and particularly if the worst happens because I know we all know people that that's happened to you know and um, I think that there are people who's not going to give two hoots about the DGR status but I think you should get it for bigger donations but um, you know I I think that there are so many incredibly supportive and generous people out there that you know just want to just want to see families do the best they can because there are so many families suffering on so many levels for so many different reasons you know and there's so much I don't know, it's just so hard. And if anyone's in a position to help, people want to. So you've also got that donate button on the website, you know, and people can just start start putting it in there and, and, and making a difference to what's going on. I absolutely love it. And you said your big vision was to have, you know, photographers in each state. And I think that is that's fantastic. I'll remind you to take one step at a time because this is, I think, keep your eye on the vision and one step at a time. You know, I've seen a lot of people that they get really, really tangled up because it's kind of like, you know, I can't get to that big vision, but I guarantee you it'll happen because, you know, what a vision and what a, a 
I, I can't, you know, how fantastic to be to be sprawled out like that and to have all these photographers on board and you know. So what if, what if you're a photographer? Can they contact you and say, oh gee, I'd love to, I'd love to be part of this with you or yes. Definitely. I'm actually in the process. I'm going to pop it on the website where people can register their interest uh, over the coming weeks. Um, but basically, if, if you're keen to work with the foundation, definitely reach out. Um, we're always looking for volunteers and eventually we're going to be looking at paying our photographers for their assistance. Um, so, yeah, def if you're if you're looking to help out families as well, then please do reach out because all the help we can get the more families we can help basically and back to what you said about you know donating 50 or 20 bucks think of it this way 20 bucks gives me fuel to drive to a remote area of your plan and do a session so it doesn't matter how small it is if you've got it spare then yeah please do think about donating definitely yeah yeah. yeah, and you need to have a model in place because you know you can't just keep giving up hours upon hours upon hours. I mean, we all we all have to put food on the table, you know, and we all have to um, look after our own families, and you know we can't run ourselves into the ground because therefore the charity won't keep going, the foundation won't keep going, and so you know if you're a photographer out there listening to this, and you you know you know, and I mean a professional photographer because there's a lot of people who do love photography and would love to help, but they might not be at that skill level. But if you are a yep. professional photographer, you know, and would like to help, you know, it, it is starting off voluntary perhaps now, but, you know, and, and the fee won't be great, you know, it won't be a big um, fee in the future because there's just, this is what not-for-profits are about, you know, just can't can't go sort of um, throwing away big, big funds, but, you know, just to have that sense of altruism and to send that sense of knowing that you're making a difference to a family, that's massive. And, and even if it could just be one, you know, one session a month or something, you know, and that's, that's my giving point, you know, that that's, that's helpful in itself. And, I absolutely love what you're doing. I absolutely love it. And, and they're just, you know, there's so many, so many opportunities to use your passion, you know, to, to make a difference in this world. And if everybody just uh, got over that bit, I'm not good enough, I don't know what I can do, and just started stepping one foot in front of the other and, and having a crack, we can make this world such a, you know, it's such a great place to live, you know. It, it's, we can, I reckon we've got a tipping point coming of good, you know, get rid of all the other crap that's in this world and, yeah, I absolutely love it. What's the one thing you need the most right now? Uh, the one thing I needed the most is is definitely cash. Like without the cash, I can't I can't reach out to more families. Um, I, as you said before, I've come to terms with the fact that I can't help everybody, and that's why I'm looking at taking on for, uh, photographers to help out. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's editing that takes place for every session. There's travel that takes place for every session. And even without paying the photographers, if they volunteer their time, that those costs still happen. So it's, you know, if you're thinking about updating your family photos, book a session through one of us and then and it all goes to the great cause. So you, you get your bang for your buck as well if you, if you don't want to just donate. So um, definitely cash and, yeah, um, just if you don't have cash, just tell people about us because word of mouth is is our biggest friend. The more people that know about us, the more families we can we can get in touch with who need help, but also the more families we can use to um boost up the the whole foundation. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely love it. And like, like you know, Belle said, book a session. You know, if you're going to get family photos, go book a session through the Forevermore Foundation, and then and then that that money helps to support this. So mm-hmm. so even if you just want to get your photos taken, you're still going to support. So there's so many. Uh, I just there's so many ways to do it. Belle, I have loved this conversation. You, you, I love what you're doing, and I just I love bringing these stories to this podcast because. I just want people to see that there are, well, one, that there are so many great people out there doing great things. And two, that, you know, it's about backing yourself and it's just about taking a risk and and giving something a go, being passionate about making a better world. And I just, I love showcasing these kind of stories and I love what you're doing. Now you've got to answer the last question because this <laughs> one, yeah, I ask everybody this. So this, this podcast is to inspire people to get off the bench like you've done and and do their thing so what advice would you give to somebody who has a deep love for something but is paralyzed by feelings that they're not good enough okay definitely take the leap like realistically what's the worst that can happen you know you it's it fails and then you try something else or you tweak your plan or you know the process that you're using it it, it can't possibly fail if you have a true passion for it. I really believe that. And if you follow your heart, other people are going to have the same reaction to it as you do. So as I said before, you know, about my photography, just do what makes you happy because it doesn't feel like a job. Um, I'd also say on the burnout side of things, definitely look after yourself because starting a project can take a lot of work and you cannot give everything you have from a place of, you know, being burnt out or worn worn down. So definitely look after yourself while you're at it and surround yourself with a really good tribe of people because just sitting at a table with your best friends and bouncing ideas off of them is going to be the biggest help you can find. Um, Once you sort of, once you know where you're going, you're okay, but it's getting there. So don't ever be scared to bounce your ideas off people you trust because you never know what goal they're going to come up with as well, which is going to come in line with what you're doing. Um, Other than that, they need to buy your book, Karen, (laughs) because it's very helpful. So definitely go get off the bench. It's amazing. That will help you make your project happen. So, yeah, but, yeah, what what can you do? You just got to try it because... You don't want to live life regretting not actually giving it a crack. That's that's the biggest thing, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it's so important to find those people that inspire you and that, that promote you and support you. And I think a lot a lot of people make a mistake where they go try they try to get their family to support them. And I, I you know, I've got this thing, your, your family's there to just to keep you in a safe sanctuary, to keep you warm at night, to keep you cozy, to, you know, to 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 give you keep you grounded. And I, I don't always think that your family are the right people to take on that journey of inspiration. And that that's not that's not negotiable the need for your family because there's such an important role there we have Mm -hmm. to step outside of what we're doing and sit with our family just to feel loved do you know yeah but it's it's often other people that will you know drag us to another place and I also like what you said about you know your, your vision is what keeps you moving in the right direction and we get stuck on I don't know how but it's talking to people it's trying things it's taking a step they're the things that just keep us going and eventually eventually we get to where we're going and it might not be where we plan to go it might shift a bit but you know it's it's definitely being flexible is a big thing too now that you say that because you know like when I first started I had this vision and I feel like I've gone (laughs) 
yeah. to get there. So definitely, yeah. you know, the universe has got you and it's going to give you what you need. It just might not be what you expected at the time. So, you know, every little, every little opportunity, take it up because you never know where that might lead. Uh, 100%, 100%. There's always there's things in your future that you just don't even know about and they they are catalysts to amazing. Oh, yeah. So be open, always be open. But um, And my last question is where can people find you? But I just want to also point out that we're going to talk, we're just going to um, say that people can find you at your normal photography place too because Belle, you know, Belle Chapman Photography is how Belle puts food on her table and unless yes. she's eating she's going to have no energy to actually run the foundation so let's go through both um so where where can people find you for both okay so yeah so my main business is Belle Chapman Photography and that can be found just as it sounds everywhere so Facebook is Belle Chapman Photography Instagram is Belle Chapman Photo uh, the website is bellechapmanphotography.com.au and Forevermore is the same. So Forevermore Fence. So Belle Chapman Photography is like my boutique um, photography um, business. So you get all the images and it's a really big adventure, that sort of thing. The foundation, on the other hand, has a cheaper option for those who um, have a bit of a lower budget compared to the Belle Chapman brand. And um, you can do all of your donating. And we do run uh, community events a couple of times a year through Forevermore, which raises funds as well. So they can be found at forevermore.com.au is the website. Um, Forevermore Foundation on both Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Well, I tell you what, I have absolutely loved this. I love what you're doing and I just, yeah, go, guys, go and follow both, you know, both both, both legs of Belle, you know, because she's got two legs going there and they've got to work. I do. <laughs> so it's Thank lovely. you so much. I've really loved it. It's been amazing. No, it's my absolute pleasure. I loved it. So I can't wait to catch up with you in person and, and um, you know, and just keep following your journey because it's absolutely, absolutely wonderful and absolutely needed. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. See you soon. See you later. <laughs> See ya. Oh, guys, how's that? I, I love, love, love what Mel's doing. And, you know, when I was talking about, uh, you know, Rachel talking at our conference, you know, one of the things that, that really came up was about the photos and, you know, having those special memories uh, of, of the good times before any treatment starts because treatment can absolutely knock the hell out of you. And, um, you know, I, I hate to say this, but some people don't make it through just like my sister did. And, you know, it's it's while you don't want that to happen, sometimes it can. And to have those photos, particularly there's kids involved, you know, to have those photos of the happy times and the cuddly times and the fun times, I just think that is so damn important. And it's you know, we're, we're talking about your, your pain and your passion and, you know, having this intersection where they create a purpose. And I think that we're all in that situation. I think that we've all got this purpose to, you know, to put out into the world to make it a better place and, you know, never underestimate what you're doing um, and, and whether or not you can make a difference because you actually can. So keep think about that. But um, go follow Belle on um, Facebook and Instagram and I'll, I'll put all them 
those things in the show notes at the bottom, but basically it's Bell Chapman Photography and also the Forevermore Foundation. So go follow them. If you're thinking about getting a photo shoot, you know, go and go and do that with Bell so that you get some, put some money into the foundation and really help support another family. So anyway, I hope you've loved this. I have, I have loved it. I love good people doing good things for the community and for the world and making the world a better place. So again, thank you so much for joining me and I will catch you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.